Hello, everybody, and welcome to Level the Fear Leadership. My name is Dr. Rachel Gallardo, and I'm very excited to have one of my very long, very good friends with me uh, today on today's episode. Um, for those of you who are new to the show, welcome. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is to give people the tools that they need to be effective leaders, no matter what industry they're in where they're at in their leadership journey, whether you are new to leadership or you're a seasoned pro, I do believe that there's always um, things that we can learn and, and grow from. If you're returning, well, welcome back. Um, be sure to comment and subscribe so you can be notified whenever new content is posted. And feel free to share this with anybody that you think might benefit. You know, we all have areas, I don't like to call them weaknesses, but I, I like to call them areas that we need a little more work on. So maybe you know somebody in this area that could use a little bit more work in this area, and hopefully this will help. I do believe that workplace burnout is very real. So anything we can do to reduce burnout and fatigue in our leadership, we really want to try to make sure we do that so we can continue to have a positive impact on our teams. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest today. Uh, so her name is Ryan Riddle. And she works for Krista's Health as the Vice President of Patient Access NeedTex in Tyler, Texas. She is an effective leader, super skilled in enlisting the support of all of her team members and aligning with project and organizational goals. She has the ability to manage multiple processes to drive high-level objectives to completion. And as a leader, she's able to promote communication to all organizational levels building relationships, and enlist the participation of team members. Now, Ryan is responsible for overseeing 450, yes, 450 FTEs, which is fancy language for employees, in patient access across multiple facilities in Northeast Texas and the San Antonio area. She uh, redesigns and establishes pre-access departments to include insurance verification, authorization, and scheduling for provider and hospital-based services, all in all, her team brings over $22 million per year in upfront POS collections. And the implementation of the EHR conversion for the system across multiple states. She's completed a master's degree in healthcare administration from Trinity University. And she's a proud Spring High School graduate Yay. along with myself. Go Lions. <laughs> so Ryan, happy, happy for you and welcome, welcome. Can't, I'm just so thankful that you're here with me today. Hello. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of busy, huh? You know, it, multiple it, states, 450 people. Yeah, it's a, it's a much, it's a busy job. Um, but honestly, I, I love, I love what I do. I found the right company and it's been, it's hectic, but I, I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, as a, a lot of our listeners know, I do like to base our topic around scripture and just kind of what's been speaking to me personally and, and hopefully to others as well. And in knowing everything that Ryan does um, and having to manage virtual teams and people across multiple situations, Galatians 6, 9 really kind of resonated and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So, you know, Ryan, you've already, you know, I've already kind of laid the background as far as what you do within your role, but just kind of in your own words, tell us what it's like having multiple teams in multiple locations with different personalities, different dynamics, different workplace cultures. Like, how do you, how do you juggle all of that? Like, just give us a rundown of what your day looks like. Yeah. So my day it's, um, 
it, I never, I have a plan, but it never goes that way. <laughs> a lot of, a lot, a lot of the time. But for for me, the challenge that we have or that I have is I've got teams that are remote, but I also have teams that are on site. So for registration, you know, we will always have people register you in the ER. We will always have people at the hospital. Um, it's my pre-access center where we have the opportunity to 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 go remote in those in those ways. So for me, I had to kind of put on two different hats. I got to put on the hat of the facility, knowing you know, they're with those leaders over there in those departments, and they are still very much intertwined in the hospital. And that's a whole different kind of management style of collaboration that has to happen versus when I'm in my, um, we call it ASB, but our pre-access center where uh, we're kind of more autonomous and we can kind of make our own changes, make our own things that we want to do. So it really just kind of depends upon what the focus is going to be for that day. Um, but really it is two different hats that I have to put on every single day. Um, and then I've got my areas that are not around the Tyler area. Um, cause we know for, for me, my region, current region is the Tyler is Tyler is the main hub and then all the surrounding areas around that. And then I have, um, Good Shepherd or Longview, which is about 45, 45 minutes away. And I've got another three facilities over there. So it really is just kind of managing and trying to check in in each area, knowing where their, knowing where their pulse points are. Um, and that's kind of really how, how I start my day, how, how I get through uh, whatever the needs are for, 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 the, for the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine just because you do have so many people in so many different locations that let's say that there is a particular issue, you can't just make a knee-jerk reaction. Like you, you've got to, okay, well, let me contact this person. Let me see what's going on here because you can't split yourself into all of these multiple locations. And so there's going to be pieces of it that you miss. So how do you go about, um, you know, whenever somebody calls and says, okay, I've got this problem. How do you go about getting an accurate picture of what's really going on and not just taking this person's information at face value? Yeah. So for particularly for the role that I'm in now and the role I've been in for the past seven-ish years, you know, I've got my teams, I've got my leadership team who's out in the out in the space. So you're perfectly correct, Rachel. Of I usually get the part of the story. I don't get the whole, I don't get the whole thing. I've got to figure out okay, what really, really happened. Right. And part of that is just kind of having that good connection, that good communication with my leaders at each of those facilities. Um, my big thing for them, because they are so spread out, they kind of call me a mama hen about it, but I've got to know where you're at. You know, I don't care if you're going to Dairy Queen, but I've got to know where, where you're at. <laughs> uh, because something happens, I need to be able to find you. I need to be able to say, okay, now really what, what happened? Got this complaint from this VP. Did that really happen? Or I need you to go investigate further. I need you to go find your team um, to, to see what that is. So it's really having that good communication for me and that good, good touch points, regular touch points with, with my key leadership. So for me, I've got six direct, no, yes, now I have six, six direct reports. Um, and we touch base um, some more than often, but at least weekly, I at least weekly have to know what's going on. Um, my attention with them or my expectation is, I think you're at your facility. If you're not, you just got to tell me. And I'm, again, don't mind if you need to go around at another facility. I just need to know where you're at because things like that are going to pop up. And I need to be able to find you to go, okay, what happens? I got to get this feedback back to this VP. I got to get this feedback back to this CEO. Um, and then they kind of go do, do the work to kind of investigate what happened. And there's a lot of trust with that, honestly, because I have to trust them that they're going to get the right information and be able to and relay it back to me. 
Um, I like to ask a lot of questions and they, they're very much familiar with that. Uh, so, cause I need to be able to tell our story. That's always a key thing for me. I want to tell our story, our side of it. Um, and that way the, the, the senior leadership can know what really, really happened. And a lot of it's just managing the perception or managing, um, yeah, managing the perception or of what the complaint may be, let it be from the patient or let it be from the provider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause like so many things, there are three sides to every story, yours, yeah. mine, and the truth. <laughs> yeah. And so usually yeah. if you can get it from multiple angles, then it's usually that, that information right there in the middle is what really and truly occurred. Yeah, I always say there's some, something that this happened, that happened, and somewhere this this is actually what really, really happened. So, right. and we may not necessarily know. It's always sometimes a big phrase of mine of she said this, he said that. We're never going to really know because none of us were there what really, really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to, or my goal is to hear both sides. And at the end of the day, what's the fix we're trying to accomplish? Knowing what are we really trying to get through? Are we just trying to, what are we trying to solve? Um, And then from a leadership, a senior leadership, people who I report to, they're going to want to know how do you prevent it from happening again? And how did you do your service recovery? Like that's basically what they're going to want to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those other details, unless they don't, those other details are just details I need to know so I can make sure I can, you know, uh, direct my folks the right way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because in in your industry, they're referred to as patients, but really those are just, that's another word for customer. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I, patients are my, so my customers to me are going to be my patients for sure. My providers for sure. My, um, my senior leadership, my department has the people that we have to collaborate with or work with on a regular basis. Um, So I like to, for at least for my folks, for sure they're naturally going to think the patient is just our only customer. And that's not true. We've got, a, we've got to serve a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of people. Um, and again, what's the right way? What's the best way to do it? Again, kind of treat them how you want to be communicated with. And that's, that's how we serve our folks, our, our teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So shifting just a little bit, kind of the, the elephant that's been lingering in your industry for a very long time is COVID. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that, you were going along, you were doing what you needed to do and everything was going just fine. And then COVID hit. And so you had to adjust and adapt. So how would you describe your leadership style before COVID? And what are some changes that you learned about yourself that you had to make during COVID? And that's kind of carried over now that we're hopefully on the the downward side of this pandemic. Yeah, for me, um, because of what I did before I came to Christus, um, and even the role I had before I came to Christus, I had a benefit because my, who I usually report to, is not on site. So I kind of have a more familiarity of managing, you know, their expectations and knowing they're not, knowing that they're not here with me. When COVID happened for patient access in particular, because you're like, patient access has to be on site. We are always in front of the patient. We're always with the doctor. And then COVID happened and we're like, nope, you've got to go home or nope, you've got to put people right. in a small little pod. <laughs> um, so for me, I think because I had that previous experience or the experience of knowing that you have to over communicate, you have to um, have a plan and put and kind of be more intentional about putting yourself out there. Um, for me, I think I was a little better equipped of knowing how to manage my team um, to make those changes. Now, my team was a little different because again, they've their managers, directors who've always been on site. What do you mean we get to go home? Like, how do we? What do you mean? How do, how do I know? How do I know? Um, 
So that was a little, that was different. And that still is kind of still is a little bit of a challenge, particularly for the role that we're in. You know, the billing office, back-end offices, they're used to being remote. They're used to kind of being siloed. But patient access, we're the first person you see when you walk in the door. We're the people getting you registered. So it's definitely a shift. Um, it's definitely been a culture shift and a change for, I just say for my industry, for what it, for what, for what we do. Um, but I do think it's manageable. I do think it's possible. Um, the big thing that we have to do and I'm looking for leaders um, is, you know, how in, it's really about being intentional. How, how are you with your rounding? Because you can't just go tap a person on the shoulder. What are you going to do to be more effective? What are you going to do to reach out to that person? Because it's very easy, very easy to be in, at your desk as a leader and you forget you've got so-and-so, you know, at home and you just forget about them because you don't, you visually don't see them. Mm -hmm. So you really have to have leaders who kind of, who lead with intention, knowing that you're going to reach out to them. Um, I have a really great leader in my San Antonio offices um, space because they are a hundred percent remote, even the leadership, but she has a schedule where she reaches out to them. Um, they have a, they have an 830 huddle um, everybody has their cameras on and they do kind of their, their what's going on for the day. And then throughout the week, they have scheduled with their, her supervisors have scheduled a 15 minute touch base uh, with, with them. So they know they're going to get talked to have that face to face time with their leader. Um, one is for my for my own sanity. I think that's good. But also for the folks at home, you're not left behind. And I think that's my 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 current space that I have in Tyler. Um, we're moving more people remote. We're about 35% now remote now. Um, and I think that's some of the biggest worry and the challenges that they, that the associates bring back is, well, you forgot about me. You know, mm -hmm. you, you forgot about, you know, that I'm doing this or whatnot. And um, we had a really great, a couple of weeks ago, we had a really great phone day, um, low abandonment rate. We were under our 5% threshold, which is really great. And we managed that for two straight, well, for three straight days. And so the leader, a great leader in that space as well, you know, she was like, okay, lunch is on me, um, which is great. I get a feedback from one of the folks, one of the remote folks, well, how are we gonna get lunch? We're at home. You know, but she already thought about it. She sent them all gift cards to Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, whatever. You know, so it's not the same as the, the group on site got pizza, but you're going to get a gift card and you can do whatever you want to do with it. So it's those kinds of things that um, you kind of have to think about how to keep them engaged so they don't get lost in the shuffle and they don't feel lost as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in our own roles, and I know that I'm guilty of this, I can be so focused on my to-do list that I, I forget that I need to, to pause just a minute and go, you know, because I, I similar to you, I have people that are on site and I also have people that only work remote. Um, but having those, those like blocks in my outlook where it physically says I'm busy. And for me, that busy is, you know, Rachel, get up from your desk and go walk around. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I have a, I have certain like an hour, you know, on certain Fridays that are blocked out specifically to write thank you notes. Like you were going to stop and no matter what else is going on, you're going to pick three people and write them a thank you note and give it to them. And it does require some planning, but if you plan those things out, man, the, the feedback that you get from the employees and how they stay engaged just because you're doing those small things are really and truly valuable. No, absolutely for sure. And, 
you know, it's like I said, for us, it's a little, it's from a patient access industry, it's been a challenge. Um, there's still some things we can do, even from a facility standpoint. Um, and it's about really, really being more efficient. Um, but but I, I think it's possible to get more folks remote. And I think from us, we can actually be a lot more efficient. It's actually more patient, patient friendly a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So we're not the ones having to ask you 1000 questions. Um, you can do it on you can do it on your own time, you know, so right. things like that. So we're trying to sh I'm really trying to shift folks from doing that. And, and that's also not just for me and my team, but that's also for the leadership who I report to. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they are like, well, what do you mean? You know, what, what do you mean you're going to go home? What do you mean you're going to, well, how do you know what they're doing? You know, um, so that's been kind of my part of my role here is kind of getting these folks, the senior leadership on board of, it's okay, mm -hmm. we can do this we've got, I've got good metrics. We've got, you know, I know what to look for. We have, we, they have a product production they have to meet. These, mm -hmm. there's things I'm looking for um, if something isn't going, going well. Um, but, but that's also been part of the, part of a challenge is kind of getting the other, other people on board of that. It's, it's okay. It's a good, it's a good thing. Um, Cause that's something they're not used to. They're used to patient access. They're used to us being in the office, being right where they are. And um, I'm a proponent of it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're having to do a lot of coaching and reassuring to help them overcome fears. Because yes. I, I hear a lot of, of fear in, in how you're saying that some might be responding. And, and quite frankly, there are, there are a lot of people that are having a really hard time shifting from this. Okay, I've always done it this way. But I know, I, I know that there's this other way that I can do it, but I'm terrified to do it. So how do you, how do you a like coach those, those leaders that you're referring to, but also those people that, um, are now having to do things differently, even though they've done it this other way for so long, like, how do you, what advice do you give to them? How do you, how do you coach them through this? Um, first would be. Let me start. Let me start. Folks who are kind of not who are new, senior leadership who are like, no, you have to be in the provider office to do your job. Um, it's just really showing the facts. It's really okay. Maybe we meet halfway. Maybe we do this, you know, two days out of the week, um, and let them kind of touch and feel and see. It's okay. Um, the other thing for us, for sure, because I've got I serve ministries all over Texas. Uh, from a scheduling standpoint, um, over communicating, you know, these are our metrics. This is where we are. We had a hundred referrals come in today. We got a hundred of them out, you know, and being very transparent about what we are doing, um, having those regular, I have regular check-ins with those leaders so that they know where we, where we stand all the time. Mm -hmm. um, the good news for my department is that we are very metrics driven. So it's a lot, I don't say easy, but it's, it's, it's a good story to tell. And they can, they could touch and feel that that's something tangible they can hold on to. And then, you know, hopefully with our conversations and they see how our metrics are going, um, they see that we're doing well. Um, but there are times where we, where we don't do well and, you know, we, we hit below threshold and, and that's okay. my sense is that's okay. That's not a panic moment. That just means we have to regroup. Um, so that's those are the conversations. And as long as we regroup quickly, 
we should be okay. And so for mm-hmm. them, that that's that's really what I try to do is to be over communicate with them, be very transparent about what my team is doing, um, letting them know. Um, had a leader yesterday. She asked about or Friday asked about. Um, well, how do you know what they? How do you know? Um, that they're meeting their production. I've got production reports. I've got production reports. I've got phone metrics. We do regular QA for them and I could share that with them. And so by the end, cause she was like, what do you mean they, they're not in the office anymore? No, this is what, and we, we haven't been in that office for like six months. So she was a little late, but, um, <laughs> but you know, once I went over, this is what we have measured. Um, she was like, oh, okay. So now I actually trusted that we have a good handle on the pulse of what our folks are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as for leaders, you know, trying to do something new and trying to do something different, it's going to be a baby step. Uh, my, my suggestion has always been, particularly for my, my folks in San Antonio, because um, they haven't really done that before. And, and like I said before, they're 100% remote. Um, is okay, so before you would round at eight o'clock in the morning and you would go into each of your areas. Okay, so how can you still round, but do it virtually? So they're thinking, well, I can call them. Okay, but you can also do Zoom. You can also physically still see them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's trying to find ways of, well, what did you do before? And how can we translate that to a virtual? You You know, it may look a little different, um, like I said, for the main the director who had the idea, of, we're going to do lunch, but for those who are not at home, we're going to give you, we're going to send you a gift card. Mm-hmm. Same idea. They're still getting food. Mm-hmm. It's just not coming to their door. I mean, it's not coming. They're not in the, in the space, but they're still getting, they're still getting something. So it's kind of just rethinking, what did you do before? Okay. Now, what do we have in place of that now? Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is just, you know, addressing the fear. And then, like you said, little by little, here's how we, we let go of this. And I I like that you're really keeping track of things. And so you've got data and data. I I, I love data. Like I, I absolutely, (laughs) I have a huge, huge heart for data because numbers don't lie. They're, they're most of the time, unless the, the data collection is biased, it's pretty straightforward. Either something is working or it is not working. And if you can present those numbers to your senior leadership before they ask, then you're on the offensive. You're not having to play defense. You're not having to, to justify or overly explain like you're, you're letting them know, yeah, our people are, are working from home three days a week. But if you look at the data reports, it's saying blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so I, I think that's important. Yeah. And, and they, they like that. I mean, my, my boss, he's very big on what can you do proactively? Let's be always being proactive, not reactive. Right. Um, and just trying to get that information out there. My sense is, again, I like to tell our story our way. Um, so I want to I want to control that narrative, not somebody else telling elsewhere, mm-hmm. other way, other things. Mm-hmm. And even if they do try to to spin a narrative that is not accurate, you've got reports and metrics that show what this person is saying is not accurate. Yeah. Here's what the numbers are saying. You know, you can tell me it's cool outside, but as long as it continues to be over hundred degrees here in, in <laughs> South Texas, I'm going to disagree with you, right? Like yeah. the numbers, the numbers are not aligning with what you're trying to tell me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so now all of this sounds well and good. And 
are, most leaders have the best interest to try to do the best that they can at that point in time with the resources that they have. But we all make mistakes. I have made a tremendous number of mistakes, but because you're the one that gets to talk more most for this episode, <laughs> tell us about a mistake that you made in your leadership with this whole virtual team situation. I think for sure I've got two of them. Um, one I would say is more observational um, because my team in Santa, well, before I took this position, um, when COVID happened, you know, they, they kind of pushed for me to be, for my, for me to go send your people home. And thankfully I had a good support group, supportive leaders around me. And I was like, I don't think we need to, um, because for what we do, I was thinking ahead of how are we being impacted? You know, how, how will, if we went home or for the work that we do, particularly from a pre-access standpoint, you know, they were sending patients home, they were canceling surgery. So my pre-access department, we, we didn't have to do pre-access. And so I was like, I rather think it's more important to repurpose them on the front line rather than them doing pre-access. The observation I had is when I came to this position, uh, when they did, when COVID happened, well, COVID for everybody, but they sent everybody home. No thought. It was like, go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and because of that, when I got here, there was a lot of things I had to peel back. And so I definitely, my observation was, I don't necessarily think they thought through, does it make sense for this department, for what we do? Um, did it make, excuse me, did it make sense for them to go home immediately? I think there was a lot more planning that probably that could have been done, or at least a pause. How are we impacted? How are we affected? Could we do something different rather than everybody go home? Because what happened was I've got folks using their own laptops, folks using their own uh, phones. The quality of the quality of the phone calls were not great because the calls would drop. I mean, I'm middle of East Texas service mm -hmm. may not always be the best. Right. Um, so it was, a, it was a quality issue. And do we have the right technology? And so when I got here, I had to kind of peel back a little bit and kind of take a step back and okay, okay let's pretend we're doing this again and let's move forward. Um, the other mistake for sure, kind of you talked about the metrics of, you know, knowing where they are it took a while for us to get these metrics. When I, that wasn't something that we just had, it's something we had to build and develop. And the mistake was we really didn't have them. We really didn't have, you know, what is the, we knew what their production number was, but how do we really see that? How do we really track that? Do we have an accurate reporting to, to give that? Um, because the issue we had was we have folks who were, you know, doing what they wanted to do. Um, they were supposed to be taking phone calls and they were, um, I got a patient complaint where, so sad. I got a patient complaint where she was like, I think your person was ordering food. And I was like, what are you oh, talking no. about? So, which is a whole HIPAA thing. I mean, it's just a thing. Oh yeah, and, all bad, um, all bad. <laughs> and so I pulled the call and, and sure enough, our person was at a drive-through somewhere, but taking a call, it was a mess. So yeah. You know, so again, that's when, okay, we've got to have those touch points. We've got to, you know, measure, particularly QA at that point, like, okay, we've got to, we got to check on these folks and having more eyes to do that. Um, so that's definitely something 
you know, I kind of took for granted because they were already at home by the time I got here that they knew what they were doing. They're pros at this. It, no, it, it, there needed to be a lot more standardization. There needed to be a lot more um, emphasis on how we're going to track and how we're going to measure their production, how we're going to do their QA. So right. um, definitely kind of, if you're coming into a role that people are already remote, make sure that you've, you see for yourself what, what they already have in place, because it is a new thought. So maybe some things haven't been thought of yet. And I for sure took for granted that they've been doing this for six months before I got here. They know what they're doing. Yeah, no. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and also given the situation too, not only is it them having to learn you as a leader, but particularly during COVID, you know, they've got their own fears about things that are happening just from a societal standpoint. And then they don't know about their job. So that's another element of insecurity. Plus they have family dynamics that are going on, which is another element of insecurity. And then here comes this new person that's now going to change more things on me. I mean, it's important to recognize too, from a leadership standpoint, to try to see it from the perspective of your employee, because if you can, if you can somewhat understand where their hesitancy is, you know, maybe where they're, where they're at just mentally, emotionally, physically overall, then that can make you a better leader too, because you know how to better approach the person. Um, You don't want to go in there guns blazing and change everything, especially in your first week. You know, you want to make sure that you have all that information there, but um, yeah, it, you, you also can't assume. So yes, there have to be changes, but they've got to be appropriate changes and communicated in the most effective way. Yeah. For my, for, for me, for my folks, it's mostly about, it's about that communication. And I'm a big proponent of, again, y'all have been doing this work. You just got to, from a leader, from like my directors, tell me what it is. You Mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing, but you need to be able to relay it to me. And if you aren't able to relay it to me, then that's where we have to dig, dig a little deeper to see, okay, what do we need to potentially change? Or is it really working? Mm -hmm. Um, Another big thing that I do is skip levels. So um, me, you know, to your point of, the person, the, my frontline, my, the folks who are actually doing doing the work, you know, they think, you know, we sit on a high ivory tower and just make these decisions and not really thinking about them. So I try to do skip levels at least every quarter um, with my supervisors and then going down to the floor level. Um, not everybody, but, you know, picking a few just to have those kind of conversations of, you know, what are you thinking? What's what's out there? You know, you, you tell me, how are you feeling about this change? Um, I think that's very important that, you know, I'm trying to be as intentional to, to hear their side of it. Sometimes it works and I truly, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. And, but then sometimes it's about, um, we're having a change right now in one of my areas of, I need y'all to believe in me. I need y'all just to hold on. <laughs> we're going to try right. this for a month, you know, and kind of having those kind of conversations with, with that particular group. Um, you know, this will be better. It's hard right now, but i promise you this is going to work out for us in the end if it, if it doesn't no harm no foul we will regroup and we'll do something different so keeping mm-hmm. them engaged with those changes and giving them the opportunity to tell me yep this is working well or no this is not working well or can we try this instead I I'm, pr- I'm really open to that and I think that gives them some buy-in to what we're trying to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well you've already gave give a lot of really great advice for (laughs) new leaders that are going into this role. Is there maybe something else that you've left out one more, one more tidbit or 
just maybe a, a process that you use or something you do in Outlook or, I mean, just anything? Um, I would, I, I kind of already said it, but I, I can't take away from of trying to truly planning it out. Like, I think we, we were such a, we were in such a rush of, we have to get this done. We have to do it this way. And really try, really take the time to plan it out because you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to put people out remote and you, then you got to pull them back and then you got to take them back out again. Like I, that's just too much back and forth. So really, really taking the time to plan out of what your workflows need to be. Um, really taking the time out to say, okay, you did this before, how can you do it this other way? Um, I definitely think that that helped, um, that helped me for sure of knowing what's the best way to do it. And because folks, particularly senior leadership, they don't have an idea. They may not have an idea of what this may look like. And so if you're able to plan out and give them, these are the steps, then they feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and then you feel more, well, you feel more comfortable because you got a plan in place um, that you right. can try to execute. So um, that's probably right. the biggest, biggest thing to, to do. And then of course, rounding with your folks. It may look a little different. Um, you may have to do 15 minute huddles. You may have to do you know, something, but you have to be able to, to meet with your folks in a, in a different way, but you have to be able to do that. Don't have them being, being left out, mm -hmm. um, being mm -hmm. left out of things that are happening on site. Oh, I forgot one more thing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so even though my folks are remote and like my San Antonio team, hundred percent remote, they still have a place to come back to. So that was also very important to me of Yes, you're remote, but we will still have an office. We will still have a break room. We will still have place where we can gather. We can, you know, they, you can still have a community of, of your peers with you. So that's very, that was very important to me because some folks were like, oh, they're remote. You'll never see them again. For me, no, I want them to have a place where they can still come back to, you know, once a month, once a quarter. Um, I've got one of my areas, they do a, a, a class every Saturday, once a quarter, um, but that's their opportunity to see everybody face to face to say, hey, how are your kids are doing, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. And that's, that's very important to me is to make sure that, um, yes, they're remote, but they have to have a place to come back to mm -hmm. um, if they, when, when, when they need it, or if they need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's such great advice because there has been research that's come out that says if people feel connected with their coworkers with the people that they work with, with the people that they report to, they're a more likely to be more productive and because it's all about, I can't let so-and-so down. So I have to make sure that I do my part. Um, but then also too, they, they, they feel more positive about the organization as a whole. Um, it keeps them tied in with a mission statement. It still gives them purpose and value. And that that's great that y'all still have a space where people can come together if they decide to do that. And sometimes you just need to change the scenery. You yeah. Know? I love my home <laughs> office, but you know, I also like for me, I working at a college, I like to be on campus and to walk yeah. around and, you know, have that college experience. Um, and with that, so you talked a lot about planning and, you know, meeting with people and, and things of that nature. And you're saying all of that. And my introverted brain is just like, ah, oh my gosh, all those people all the time. So, <laughs> you know, in just the few minutes that we have left, what do you do to relax? How do you 
clear your head because if you if you take a break from something and then you come back to it like a day or two later, i.e. the weekend, you see things in a more fresh perspective. So what do you do to keep all of that work stuff away for, even if it's just for a little bit so that way you can decompress and then see your situation with fresh eyes on Monday? Yeah, for me, and it took me a long time to get there. Um, I think I'm finally now in a good place of having that work-life balance. And first thing is, if I'm at work, I'm at work. But once I go home, I, I don't take it home. I, I, I don't, I turn off my notifications off my phone. I take off my computer so I don't get distracted. I don't, because I'll have a, ooh, idea. And I have to go, <laughs> want to go right. write that email. No, it will be there tomorrow. Like it will be there tomorrow. It will be there on Tuesday. It'll be there, whatever. So that's probably the big thing for me is I do work at work and I'm once I'm home, I am home and I enjoy my home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what I do to, to relax is um, nothing too crazy. Um, Cause I am tired by the end of the day, I sit around, I watch a lot of Netflix. I watch a lot of football. I, um, <laughs> I, I, but I really do try to do things that are not, that don't make me think about work, you know, that are not even close to that. And, you know, I, I still call my mom on the way from work to home um, to, to kind of get whatever frustration I have out. But after that, it's, I hit this garage. I, it's like a switch almost flips off and, you know, I, I, I relax, I cook dinner, I work out, I, and now, again, I was telling you about, I was watching a whole lot of Netflix the last few days, you know, that's just something <laughs> mindless um, to, to do, to take my mind away from all of the things that I, that I have to get done or I, I try to get done during the day. But mm-hmm. the big thing, the big challenge for me is knowing to, has been to just take a breath and, and, and turn it off and really believing it will be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It will be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. So if you're, if you're running on fumes, it's just, it's not going to work. Yeah. I've got, I've got leaders and I tried to, I mean, I'm like, unless you just have to, you don't be sending emails at 10 o'clock at night. Like, what are we doing? Like I need, don't one from a perception standpoint that bothers me, but two, you, I know you worked all day. Why are you sending an email at 10 o'clock at night? You know, don't. um, So it's, I try to practice what I preach so that they try to lead by example for them. If I'm leaving, you're leaving. Like, let's, right. let, let's go. And right. I definitely feel like for the place that I'm working for, we definitely try to emphasize that. Or I mean, at a minimum, do the like delayed email, that Outlook feature. You know, if yeah. you're working at 10 o'clock at night, just tell Outlook, hey, don't send this until 8.30 tomorrow morning. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you absolutely have to work and you're yeah. not taking care of yourself, at least at least your employees are not going to feel obligated when they see an email come across at 10:30 at night, they're not going to feel like they have to respond right then and there. Yeah, Cause I'm not responding. Let me help you. I, you know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and even in my teaching, I, I have students that will send me an email at 12:30, one, two o'clock in the morning. And it, the email will start off. I'm sorry. I woke you. And I'm, I get it the next morning. I'm like, no, no, no you, I was asleep. Yeah. All good. I'm, okay. I'm awake now at, you know, well, and I, I do respond at, you know, cause I'm an early riser. So I'll send a response at 5 30 AM. You didn't wake me, but now I'm awake. And of course I don't hear from them until like 11, but right. I remember what it was like to be 19 and 20. It, it happens. It's fine. It's fine. 
Well, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I know that yeah. you, you have given, I know that just in this time you've, you've replenished me. Um, and I know that you're going to replenish a lot of individuals, um, out there too, in their leadership journey. And, um, for those of you that are listening, if you liked what you heard again, hit the subscribe button. So that way you can be notified when new content comes out. Also feel free to follow me on Instagram. Um, you can find it at level the field leadership. I try to post positive and consistent content out there because I know that there's a lot of well, not positive and not consistent content out there. So if you need a break, hopefully that'll pop up while you're scrolling and, and it can just kind of rejuvenate you in the moment for, for leadership purposes. And remember, you are made to be a leader right where you are, wherever you're leading, whatever your title is, whatever industry, no matter where you're at in the world. And the things we talked about today can help you develop the roots of your leadership so you can weather any storm. Take care of yourself. Take care of your team. You can 100% do this. And until next time.